A few weeks ago, he was here um, visiting with the Moody's. Uh, one of the things that Menge does is he helps families who want to adopt children, and they come to Ethiopia, and then he comes alongside them and kind of stays with them while they're in country, making sure that everything um, is okay. And so uh, Wally asked if they could talk to me, and for about an hour, uh, Menge shared his ministry uh, with us. Uh, a ministry to orphans, helping, helping orphans find homes. A ministry to what they call street kids. Kids who, for one reason or another, cannot be in an orphanage, but they have no home. They have no food. They have no means of support. They just kind of scrounge a living however they can. And Menge tries to come alongside these kids and as much as anything, give them a friend. Someone who cares about them and can help them. And then he's also working to mobilize the churches of Ethiopia uh, to do more to care for the children of their country. And uh, I mean, I was, I was amazed at his ministry and the scope of that ministry. This young man was, had come to the United States. He'd had an opportunity to come here, get an education, make a life for himself here. And yet... God kept pulling him back and saying, come home to Ethiopia and help these children. Uh, so a great personal sacrifice, he, he left his life here and went back there. And as, as much as I thought of his ministry, I was blown away by his passion. Just the fervent uh, way he talked about these children, the enthusiasm he had for the gospel of Jesus Christ and the difference that it can make in the lives of hurting people. And by the time they left, I knew I had been in the presence of a man in whom the Spirit of God dwells. Because that is the source of passion. Have you ever tried to, to fake passion? To fake enthusiasm? <laughs> Sue tries real hard whenever we sit down to watch football. I mean, you know, last night was one of the, they talked about last night with the Alabama-Florida State game being like the biggest opening college game ever. And I'm, I'm excited all day long. It's like, oh, 8 o'clock, we get to see Alabama. And she tries. I mean, I always, I always kind of wait to see how long before she pulls out the tablet, she picks up the book. Before, you know, it just, she tries. But you can't fake enthusiasm for something you really don't care that much about. I do it too. There are things that Sue wants to do. And, oh, honey, we, we can go do this. Oh, joy. <laughs> you know, and, and I'll go do it. And I'll try my best to, oh, this is so much fun. And I hope we can do it again in like 100 years. And, and, and you know, you try. You just, you can't fake it. I mean, people know if you, if you are. They know if you're not genuine. And... Um, I knew that Mengay was serious about what he was doing, and that's why we went to our mission ministry and said, we've got to get behind this guy. We've got to support Hope Overflowing. And we were able to, to partner with them as a regular mission partner. And he just got me thinking about this whole subject of passion. And he helped to reignite mine. You know, I... I have been here 25 years. I've been a pastor for 39 years. And if we're not careful, when you've done something that long, you tend to let your enthusiasm wane. You tend to let your, the fire of your passion die down. 
And after meeting with him, I was ready to go for another 10 years. I mean, he just, he had that kind of infectious nature. And that's another thing about passion. It's infectious. When you're around a person with great passion for something, pretty soon you find yourself saying, yeah, what can I do? And of course, the most passionate person we can think of is, is Jesus Christ. His, his life was defined by passion. Enthusiasm. Intense desire. Do you know what the word enthusiasm actually comes from two Greek words? In heos. Do you know what the word in, E-N means? It means in. You gotta, yeah, I'm going... I'm, I'm, I'm working on it here. I'm trying, to teach, I'm trying to teach you something here. The Greek word in means in. Heos is a part of the word for God. So the word enthusiasm literally means in God. I mean, we can get passionate about those we love. We can get passionate about our sports teams. We can get passionate about a cause such as men gay with the children of Ethiopia. But of all the things that you might be passionate about, of all the things that you might get enthusiastic about, the thing that should kindle the fire of your passion most is your relationship with the Lord. Because it's in God. It's through His Spirit that our passion exists. Well, I want to share with you a story to show you about Jesus' passion. And hopefully it can help to encourage our own. I'm in John 2, starting at verse 13. It says, When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And in the temple courts he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here! How dare you turn my father's house into a market? His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Jesus had gone to the temple at the time of Passover, which recalls the deliverance of Israel from Egypt after 400 years of slavery. He went to the temple to worship. It was a place for the people of God to express their love and devotion for God. But when Jesus arrived, it wasn't passion for worship that he discovered, but it was the buying and selling of animals and money changers charging high interest so people could change their money and pay the temple tax. Back in those days when you went to the temple, you paid a, a tax, and that's what they used to support those who were in the temple, and there's nothing wrong with that. I've thought about it. I thought, what if we were to sit up like a little toll booth at the front door? One of those little arms, you know? And uh, 
Somebody's sitting there and you walk in and say, dollar please. You know, a church tax, one dollar. Uh, that might not go over so well. But Jesus wasn't enraged because of the temple tax. He was enraged because in order to pay the temple tax, you had to exchange the money. Each, each place had its own money. And they wouldn't accept their money. They only accepted official temple money. So you had to go to a money changer and you might give them a dollar and they give you 50 cents back in temple money. And they kept the profit. And you would bring your animal to sacrifice, you know. You go to the temple, you want to show your devotion to God, you bring a lamb to offer. But inevitably, something would be wrong with your lamb. The priest would examine it and say, oh, I'm sorry, the, the toenails are too long. I'm sorry, one ear is an eighth of an inch taller than the other. I mean, they would just come up with outrageous reasons why your animal's no good. But you could go over here and buy one of ours at a greatly inflated price. The religious leaders had turned temple worship into profit. And Jesus was incensed. He made a whip out of cords. He went through there opening the pens, driving out the animals, turning over the money changers, telling the people to get out and quit turning the house of God into a den of thieves. And it was a pivotal moment because he was already beginning to face opposition from these religious leaders. They questioned his teachings. They didn't like the fact that he challenged their authority. And now he was messing with their bottom line. <laughs> he was cutting out their profits. And they weren't going to stand for that. So what made him do it? What made him react so strongly to what was going on in the temple? Well, the disciples, as they witnessed what Jesus was doing remembered a scripture. And the scripture they remembered was Psalm 69, 9, which says, zeal for your house will consume me. But what they remembered was only half the verse. And I think it's important that we know the other half. Psalm 69, 9 says, zeal for your house consumes me and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. The insults of those who insult you fall on me. In other words, Jesus took it personal. What they were doing in the house of God not only offended God, but it offended him because of his personal relationship with God. So the point I'm trying to make is that passion is personal. You will not be passionate about someone you hardly know. You will not be passionate about something you don't really care about. You're only going to be passionate about that which is personal to you. And when they made this travesty in the, in the market, of, in the temple, creating a marketplace, it affected Jesus very strongly because he had such a close personal relationship with God. So that brings up the question do we have that kind of relationship with him do the things that bother God bother you do the things that grieve God grieve you 
When we see what's happening in our world today, do we truly find ourselves wanting to respond as Jesus did? <laughs> you know, there's basically three ways. When you see something wrong, there's three ways you respond to that. One is to say, I don't like it, I think it's wrong, but it's none of my business. And you do nothing. The other is to say, this is wrong, and someone should do something about it. <laughs> and then there are a few who have enough passion to say this is wrong, and I'm going to do something about it. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus could have walked into the temple and looked at his disciples and said, Look at that, that's terrible. But, you know, it's none of my business. Let's go on in and worship. Jesus could have said, as soon as I get home, I'm going to write a letter to the editor of the Jerusalem Journal, and I'm going to complain about it and say somebody should fix it. Jesus was so passionate about the things of God that when he saw what was happening in the temple, he said, I must act. I must do something, even though it put him at great personal risk and actually set him on that path that would lead to the cross. Do we have that kind of passion for the Lord, for the things of God, for the people of God? If we don't, we need to ask God to fill us with his spirit, to fan the flames of that passion through his spirit. Because as the song said, it's only when the Holy Spirit reigns that that passion will be there. And the power of that passion will drive our faith. The world desperately needs to see passionate Christians. The world desperately needs to understand what Christianity truly is. Not just another religion in the long list of religions. But that it's a personal faith in a loving God. We need to be people of passion. If you recall, I said you, you can't be passionate about someone you don't really know. And you can't fake passion. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you'll have no passion for the things of God. But the moment you accept Him, you're baptized in His name, His Spirit comes to dwell within you, then you have the source of that fire, that passion, that enthusiasm in your life. And there may be someone here this morning that is ready to take that step of faith and say, I believe in Jesus and, you know, sometimes people ask me, well, why do you do this in church? Why do you publicly ask people to, to do this? Well, simply because it's an opportunity for us to be a witness. To witness to one another what we believe. To say out loud what we believe. It's a pretty friendly group to say it. 
But if there's someone here this morning that needs to accept Christ as your Savior, it would be my joy, my privilege to receive you, to pray with you, to let you declare out loud, I believe in Jesus and I accept him. If you wish to place your membership in the church, you're always welcome and we would welcome you. Let's stand together. We're going to sing Because He Lives, number 292.